Well, welcome to the Exchange Church this morning. So glad that you're here. I know you're watching online. We have uh, our, our team in the room today. Uh, so hopefully I'm going to get some good amens. On the platform, I have my son, Jordan. Today is his birthday. This guy turns 18 today. And uh, ladies, he's single. I am indeed single. I am single. I am ready to mingle. <laughs> ready to mingle. Christian mingle. That is. Anyway, uh, he's been wanting to be married since he was 16. He's now 18. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to say happy birthday, son. I'm so proud of you. I love you very much, man. Happy birthday. Oh, wait. Okay. He's been asking me for months if since his birthday is on a Sunday, if I could please promote. Oh, yes. What? My, my Twitch channel. Um, I'm a video game streamer, and I would love for you to subscribe to me. So that's ttv.jtboy77. How many subscribers do you currently have? We're not going to talk about that. Um. <laughs> he has two, and he's looking for more. So, anyway, happy birthday, Jordan. I love you. <clears throat> Today we are um, talking about the Enneagram and Scripture, how that you and I can be the best us um, in light of this tool. Now, the Enneagram in and of itself is not the thing that will rescue you or save you. It is only the word of God that does that. The Enneagram is simply a tool. It's like a personality typing system that is useful. It's beneficial. And so we're going to talk about that today. We want to talk about what's driving you. I've had the opportunity to be on Facebook Live today during the service. We, um, we have a broadcast on YouTube, on Facebook, and on our website, exchangechurch.org. And I've been able to worship with many of you and excited that we are uh, worshiping God together. And I just sense, I want to go off script for a moment. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 11. And I hope that you have your Bible because the reality is there are a lot of things being said in the world right now. There's a lot of noise, a lot of noise. And if you don't know how to go to the word of God, there is no lack of deception among us. There is no lack of, of, um, bad news among us. And so I want to encourage you today because the word of God will speak life to your dried up bones. Can I get a good amen from people today? Matthew 11 verse 28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the beauty of serving Jesus is that no matter what the circumstances are around us, no matter what we're currently going through, whether we've lost a job in this season, whether we've had conflict, relational conflict in this season, whether we've had uh, questions about our own identity and what we believe and what we think and and just the, the mind monsters that are ready to latch on to us at any given turn. Serving Jesus makes every circumstance rest. You see, I can rest in Christ through everything that I go through. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I know that life is crazy. I know that life is hard and circumstances right now are difficult, but we have a hope. We have a hope that the world doesn't have and his name is Jesus. Today, as we talk about um, Enneagram 3, 
I've only got about 13 minutes today to unpack this. So I'm going to move really quick. I need you to take notes really quick. Uh, but the Enneagram 3 is called The Achiever. This is the most, not the most, but one of the more aggressive types. They're very competitive. They're very driven. They're very focused. Last week, we talked about Enneagram 2, which is the helper. At their best, they serve others. They take care of us. And at their worst, they become prideful. They become resentful. They become unaware that they make everything about them. They, Enneagram 1, the reformer, was the week prior to last week. And at their best, they are constantly improving, making the world a better place. But in their unhealthy state, they can become critical. So let's unpack Enneagram 3. If you are a 3 today, I am so glad that you're watching. I love 3s. 3s are some of my favorite numbers on the Enneagram. I'm not a 3, uh, but I certainly love 3s. We're going to have a good time together. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would step into the room. Wherever these people are, in their homes, in their bedroom, outside, on the lake, God, I just ask that your presence would be made known to them right now in the name of Jesus. God, let your word come alive in our spirit, in our mind, and in our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. I want to take you to my text today. It's in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 27. It tells a story of what I perceive to be the Enneagram 3, the achiever. And we pick up the story in verse 17. Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him. Now let me stop there and say that threes are always running. They're always moving way too quick. They never slow down. They never stop. They've always got a lot of stuff going on. They wake up in the morning and want to know what their day looks like and what's going to happen tomorrow and three days from now and a week from now. They feel like life is just too short. So their life often is in fast motion. Threes want to be successful at all cost. This man runs up to Jesus. Verse 17 says he knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now here's what he's really asking. The question the, the good young man is really asking is, How do I win? Like, how do I get ahead? I've been doing everything I, I know to do. How do I ultimately win? Now know this, if you have a three in your life, playing board games with them can be dangerous because they will want to win at all costs. You're not really playing if you're not cheating, I think a three might think. It doesn't matter if they're playing against a toddler or their grandma. That toddler and grandma need to know their place. The Enneagram 3 is going to win at all cost. There's a saying, America is the home of the brave and the land of the... What is it? America is home of the brave, land of the three. Land of the three. It's really land of the free. But, but I would suggest that threes think America's all about them, like the American dream, running, striving, racing... It's not enough in America to be a billionaire, by the way. Uh, we have to rank them. Like, you would think it's good enough to be a billionaire, but no, America has to rank the billionaires. Forbes puts out a list every year. 
to see who is the richest and who is on top. And everyone is watching to see, did I beat this person or did they beat me? Threes feel very at home in America and simultaneously very miserable. And we're going to talk about why. Verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. Adultery. Let me stop right there. Some of you don't know what that word adultery means. It does not mean um, that you have become an awesome adult. Okay. Adultery, like mastery. No. Adultery means that you are in a relationship with a married person or you are not being faithful. That is adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt, and I want you to underline this next word, depending on the translation that you have. My translation says genuine. Everyone say genuine. Genuine. Underline that word genuine because it's hard for threes to be real. It's hard for threes to be authentic. It's hard often for threes uh, to display what their heart's feeling, to even know what their heart is feeling, to be able to articulate the emotions going on inside of them. Now, interestingly enough, threes um, are in the heart center, but they understand more what it means to be a superhero than it does, than they know to be a human. There is still one thing you haven't done, Jesus told him, verse 21. Go and sell all your possessions And give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 22. At this the man's face fell and he went away very sad for he had many possessions. One of the challenges of threes is that you don't have possessions. Possessions have you. The three defines themselves often by the clothes that they wear the cars that they drive, the house that they live in. They are very image conscious. And of course, hopefully we're talking about a pendulum or a a scale of health, but in very unhealthy states, their value is wrapped up in what they have rather than who they are. In verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I've done research on this. A lot of people ask, what does it mean it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to make it to heaven? The reality is a lot of people postulate they have these theories and these ideas, but no one truly knows what Jesus means exactly by this. We just know that he said it. We do know a couple of things, though. That God is not against prosperity. Third John 2 says, 
Beloved, I pray that you prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Did you know that God wants you to prosper and be in good health? Many of us are, are too afraid to ask or pray or request something from heaven because we just feel like it's not high on the priority list. Oh, God doesn't want to get bothered by my headache. God doesn't want to get bothered by my mortgage payment or by my food bill. Like God doesn't really need to deal with, God is dealing with the pandemic. He doesn't need to deal, deal with me on my behalf, but God cares. His desire for you is that you would prosper and be in good health. A lot of people will try to say, oh, well, when it says he wants us to prosper, he's not talking about prosper. He's talking about just be happy and have joy. And, and I would agree with that, except the rest of the verse says, be in good health just as your soul prospers. So he's already addressing the soul portion that we want to kind of default to. So there's some element of prosperity that God wants us to have beyond just inner peace. Come on, somebody, somebody wants to, needs to partner with this word this morning. God wants to prosper something beyond just a high level of satisfaction and joy in your life. His word says he wants you to prosper and be in good health. So this is not a sermon about uh, not prospering because I believe that God wants me to prosper. And if you believe that God doesn't want you to prosper, that is perfectly fine. You can just bring that prosperity in my way and I will just give God all the glory and the credit for it. I don't mind taking that burden off of your hands today. But the Bible does say a lot about money. And this isn't really a money sermon, but I want to address something real quick. Whether you're a three or not, this will apply to you. The Bible lists this word called mammon, which means money, but there is a spirit attached to it. There's a spirit attached to your money, and when it is an unclean spirit, it is called mammon. When it is redeemed, when you redeem your money, it then is called something that you can steward well and invest in the kingdom. How do I know if I deal with greed and serve mammon? rather than God, we, we do know that the Bible says you cannot serve both God and mammon or God and money. You can't serve both. So how do I know what I'm serving? That's easy. Do you tithe? I know that's really offensive, especially to us Christians. But the only way to redeem your money is by giving the first 10%. The tithe actually isn't just an admissions fee to be a part of a club. It is the commandment of God to bring blessing on your life and get you off and out under the curse of mammon. Do you tithe? Tithe redeems the rest. Let me get off of that before you change the channel and go listen to Stephen Furtick or someone better than me. Verse 26, the disciples were astounded then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. Many of us don't believe it is impossible to earn our way into heaven. Hear me, church. We may say with our mouth that we believe that we can't earn our way into heaven. But I challenge you to look deep inside this morning and ask, 
Ask yourself what you really believe. If we really believed that we could not earn our way into heaven, we would share our faith with the world. Sure, I mean, we can share a, a bottle of water if someone's thirsty. We can share a sandwich if someone is hungry. But I'm here to tell you, church, boldly, that social justice doesn't change the world. Social justice doesn't change the world. You know how I know? Because Jesus said you will always have the poor with you. You can feed and help and give a bottle of water to every person you know. And Jesus says you will always have the poor with you. Social justice doesn't change the world. It changes you. And that's why you're called to do it. I'm not trying to minimize social justice initiatives. We should be giving people water. We should be giving people sandwiches. We should be helping the homeless find a place to lay their head. We should be fighting for those that are marginalized. I'm simply saying to you that at the end of the day, we live in a broken world. And all of these initiatives are meant to change me. To build humility in me to build compassion in me. Not so that I can give a drink of water and, and make sure that no one is ever thirsty again, but to build me so that I look more like Jesus. And when I look more like Jesus and I understand that you can't earn your way into heaven, suddenly that becomes the forefront of all of my conversations. Suddenly Jesus becomes the forefront of all of my social media posts. Suddenly Jesus becomes the forefront of all of my hopes and my dreams and my goals and desires in life. It's not a great worthy cause that I run after. It is the cause of Christ, that which redeems all of us and sets all of us free. Then I can look at my Muslim friend and share my faith. I can look at my Hindu friends, my atheist friends. Many of us don't share our friends, even with share our faith with even friends that are just good people that believe that being a good person will somehow win the prize. You don't share your faith because you believe there is some other way for people to get into heaven than Jesus. And a lot of people believe that. I believe I'm a good person, so I'll get to heaven. The problem with that, if you actually believe that you're going to get to heaven because you're a good person, you're comparing yourself to all the knuckleheads that you know. But heaven isn't about comparing you to everyone on this earth. Heaven is about you and Jesus, making you more like him. And in comparison of Jesus, of his righteousness and his holiness, I can't do it on my own. Apart from Jesus, Mother Teresa can't get to heaven. Apart from Jesus, Billy Graham can't get to heaven. Apart from Jesus, your grandma, your toddler, your niece, your nephew, your spouse can't get to heaven. They're only getting to heaven if they follow Jesus. So listen to me, threes. I understand that we work really hard to present ourselves as someone that's all put together and we know what's going on and we're a mover and we're a shaker and we make things happen. I love threes at the exchange church. Threes make things happen. We need more threes at the exchange. But at the end of the day, you're moving and shaking. Can't move and shake you to heaven. It's only through Jesus. 
but not with God, the final verse says, everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. The three reflects God's hope. The three reflects God's hope. They can point us to what is possible. It may not be seen in the physical realm. They sense it. They hear it. They feel it. They see it. Martin Luther King Jr. was a three. And he had a dream that no one could see at the time. A dream that all people would be created equal, that they wouldn't be judged based on their skin, but on the content of their character. He had a dream. He saw something long before we were ever there. And we're not, we're not quite there yet, but we're better than we were. And we got to roll up our sleeves and keep moving forward. But thank God for threes that can see beyond where we currently are. That can see the hope of Jesus at work in any situation. What is the motivation of a three? Success. They want to be successful. I got to be better. I got to be better, they say to themselves. What's the inner need? The need to achieve. What do they avoid? They avoid failure. I know failing is not fun. I imagine it would be hard to be a three on our team because I have the saying that failure is not an option. It's a requirement. We have to fail at the exchange church. If you're not failing, you're not risking anything. So I, I don't mind failure. So for any threes in the room, I know that's a little bit scary because you, your identity is very attached into your level of success. They're, they're trying to avoid failure. And in doing so, they're often not real with others and not real with themselves. Their core sin, core sin is lying and deceit. Threes that haven't really surrendered some things to Jesus, that haven't done the hard work. They have a proclivity to lean into lying and deceit. Some of the threes right now are saying, Pastor, I don't lie. Well, you're lying right now because that's a lie. We all lie to ourselves from time to time. And being a three, it's easier to lie to ourselves even more. We want to convince ourselves of how successful we are. Psalm 119 verse 29 says, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. My prayer for our threes this morning is that you would stop lying to yourself. That you would have the hard conversations with yourself this week. Your greatest fear is being worthless being worthless. And so you cover up the heart with all of this stuff and this jewelry and the cars and the bank account. But 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, don't judge by appearance or height. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Threes, hear me. Listen to me this morning. The Lord is so madly in love with your heart. 
your heart to be successful, to make his name famous, to bring unity across our nation, across the world. Your, your drive. The underlying emotion, just like the two and the four, we'll talk about next week, is shame. Psalm 25, 21. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. My hope in you. Amen. I just want to say right now, Casey, I know that you're watching online. And I just want to, if it could just be you and I right now for a moment. I just want to speak into your heart. And I want to remind you that the Lord created you with such intelligent design that there is no mistake about you. That there is nothing that you have done or ever could do that will cause him to love you any less. Casey, hear me this morning. I don't know you, but I know my Jesus. And he loves you so much. So much. It's not about you having to perform for him. It's not about you having all the right words to pray. It's not about you doing all the right things. It's just about surrender. It's about saying yes to him. So church, I want to pray for us this morning, for all of our threes. Man, I love your drive. I love your faithfulness and your consistency. I love the fact that you lay down your life for the cause of Christ. But I want to pray rest over you today. There's so many things in society right now that feels out of control for you. I just want to pray rest over your spirit, rest over your heart. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that we can come to you when we are weary. We can, we can come to you when we don't know the next step to take. Father, your word tells us that your word is a lamp to our step, a light to our path. So God, we just surrender to you. All, all of the plans and the expectations, the false responsibility that we have carried, we just release that to you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you're bringing rest to your people. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If any time during this service today, something was tugging on your heart and, and you were ready to say yes to Jesus, it's a simple prayer. There's no formula to it. You just say something simple like, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus died on the cross for me. So I say yes to you. Thank you for sending your son so that I can be in relationship with you. It's that simple. And in a moment, the Bible tells us that your eternal record is wiped clean and you turn from death to life and all of heaven rejoices. So if, if you've said yes to Jesus throughout this service in our worship or in the sermon or in this brief example of a prayer, I want you to scroll down the page and click, I said yes, we would love to walk this journey with you. If you're on Facebook Live or on YouTube, type in the comments if you want or send us a message. But type in, I said yes, and our online host will walk you through your next steps. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.